This week on Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. Pull that pin out of boo-boo, baby. We got a boo-boo crossover. Hello, and welcome to Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. I'm Brian Morris. I'm Stacey Kulo. We're comedians. And a couple. And I've never seen Gilmore Girls, one of Stacey's favorite shows. And I've never seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one of Brian's favorite shows. So we're watching both shows together, all seven seasons, comparing them as we go. And this week, we watch season five, episode 14 of both shows, starting with Gilmore Girls, Say Something. As well as Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Crush. Dude, these had a lot of similarities. It's, there's no way this wasn't intentional. I feel like there's just too many. We had that whole conspiracy theory that Amy was intentionally putting Buffy references in the corresponding Gilmore episode. And then it stopped. There's been some episodes with similar themes, but like the direct call outs stopped. It's possible we missed something. Maybe there were some hidden gems in there that we just overlooked. Maybe you guys saw some connections that we missed. But this episode is just filled with them. It's like she's making up for lost time. Yeah, there's I even thought of another one that we didn't talk about. Oh. But there's a few just like words that showed up in both that are like pretty specific. Yeah. Plus some themes. But we'll get into it. Uh, Before we jump into it, though, we got to talk about some neighbor drama. Not really drama, but. Yeah. We've told you about the various characters in our neighborhood slash building. And I'm sure we've talked about the yard man. The yard man is a guy who has turned this like, I mean, it's, it's not really a yard. There's just like a little strip of land between our building and the one behind us. Yes. And he's landscaped it to be beautiful. It is nice. He has made it look nice. But he just fucking lives out there. He's out there every day doing like 50 weird things every day from like juggling to like practicing how to be a bartender, like in like uh, that cocktail movie. I can't remember if we've talked about this, but his latest thing is like practicing being a rock star. It's so weird, guys. He's just out there like singing songs, like as if he's performing to a group. Yeah, it's always like Journey or Hotel California. He gets like very into it. I think sometimes he has like a mic stand. I'm pretty sure he's like printed out the lyrics to the songs and is like trying to learn them. It's so weird. But like it's it, he must have like ADD, which I have, which is fine. We both have that. So it's whatever. I'm not. We are undiagnosed, but it seems like there's no way we don't. But like he's always got like 15 things out there. He's like painting and juggling. And then he starts doing his songs. Then he's doing tricks with his dog. He's got a lot going on at once. Lately, he's just been standing still reading a book out loud. Out loud to who? His dog? By the way, his dog is friends with an old woman who occasionally shows up. I don't know the relationship between the man and the old woman. If I had to guess, I would say he finds her annoying. But her and the dog are besties. She makes the dog dance. She, like, picks up his front paws, and they dance a little bit every time she comes out. He willingly puts up his paws. I have seen her kiss him on the mouth. She always wears a mask, but she kisses him on the mouth through her mask. And then they dance, and she's like, one, two, three, one, two, three. I don't know if this guy got a subscription to like every master class there was and he's like learning everything at once. Maybe that's what's happening. I don't know. Today you were like, you have to go look out the window. And he was just as close as he can be to our window, like balancing on one foot on like a railing. Yeah, he was like tightrope walking on this railing. Just like right at our window. It's so weird. It's so weird. I would say it was about 10 feet away. Where he usually is is maybe like 20 feet away. I, just, I don't know what's going on with this guy. I want to ask him, but I also don't want to. Well, I, 
I have had words with him before, but I don't really want to. <laughs> he always looks up at me, too. I think he knows I sit here and can see him. So this is all for you, you think? I can't see him when he's in the yard, but I can see him when he approaches. He yeah. might be looking for the cat because our cat sits in that window a lot. So he might just want to see if the cat's there. I don't know. But I'm like, what? Do, what is our relationship, dude? Do you know that I see everything? You do? I don't know if he's just like very shameless or if he doesn't give a fuck that people see him. Yeah, I don't know. And it's just like right outside a ton of people's windows that he's doing these things. I, I don't know, man. It's a lot. It's a lot. This is our life. We have a little show outside our window every day. I guess that's nice. New York City, something else. We're recording this on June 3rd, by the way, for those of you who know what that means. I, I don't know what that means. I know you don't. And that's fun for me. Interesting. <gasps> the woman's out there now. I hear her. What's happening? She's riding him around like a pony. Like, I know that you're not serious because I know your voice, but like that doesn't seem crazy considering what we've seen out there. It's a big-ish dog and she's a tiny woman. I wouldn't be surprised if it escalates to that eventually. If anything changes with the dog and the woman, I'll keep you updated. Well, Brian, should we get into these episodes? Let's do it. This week, we started with Gilmore Girls. Brian, tell us about Say Something. So this episode is all about the aftermath of the last episode, where Luke got very upset with Lorelai for not mentioning her night with Christopher and the words Christopher said to Luke. And Rory's trying to navigate her new relationship with Logan after he left the same wedding after it got weird. Yeah. So the episode starts like pretty much exactly where the other episode ended. In fact, it starts a few seconds before it ended, actually. Yeah. If you skip the recap, it makes you watch some of the last episode still. Yeah. With Lorelai telling her mother, you and me were done during their second wedding photos. And then Lorelai turns around and she starts to storm out of the wedding. Lorelai leaves the wedding and lies to Rory about her and Luke being okay because Rory's worried about it. Lorelai's like, oh, no, 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 everything's fine. But she doesn't know that they're fine. She has no idea how they're doing. She says Luke's bringing the car around, but then she orders a cab as soon as Rory's out of earshot. The opening ends with this great line from Lorelai when the photographer comes up to her and asks to come back because he'd just love to get a few more shots in. And then Lorelai says... Yeah, so would I. <laughs> it was great. Notably, Lorelai is not mad at Rory. Rory's worried. Lorelai had like yelled at her for what she was doing with Logan. Yeah, Rory's like, I, it's not one of my proudest moments. And Lorelai's like, yeah, I mean, you're my daughter. I've got a lot of not proud moments. <laughs> so I feel like Lorelai was maybe mad in that moment, but then was like, whatever. It was a stupid kid mistake. Also, Rory's notably concerned about how Luke's doing and doesn't wonder how Christopher's doing. Yeah, that's true. She's like, Luke was so mad. I didn't think about that. Well, I mean, she's a, she's really invested in her mother making it work with Luke. So I think that's probably why. Yeah. She's also like on good terms with her dad now, too. I know, but she doesn't want her dad and her mother back together. Yeah. Luke has no idea where Luke is. And obviously she You said to... Luke has no idea where Luke is. He doesn't, though. <laughs> Lorelai has no idea where Luke is and obviously wants to talk about what happened. So she's just like looking all over town for him. She stops by Luke's diner. Luke isn't there, but Caesar is. He's supposed to be working, but he's just rocking out to music, singing, and eating pie out of the pie plate. Specifically rocking out to tequila, which yeah. is what Lorelai and Christopher drank. Mm-hmm. I feel like that was intentional. I don't know. Because that scene ends with the end of the song being like, tequila. That's true. That is true. And she's looking around town like, where could Luke be? Yeah. The scene with Caesar's funny because he feels pretty caught by Lorelai because he's clearly <laughs> not supposed to be singing. He's supposed to be like cleaning. So he's like, could you like not tell Luke about any of this? This is all pretty funny. Uh, he says he's going to get back to work. But then we see him dancing and singing again through the window as soon as she <laughs> yeah. 
Caesars. How about don't dance in front of the windows if you want to not be caught, Caesar? Yeah. Uh, Babette runs into Lorelai on the street, and then she and her husband instantly put together that because Lorelai just came from her family wedding and she's looking for Luke, that means things aren't good. And they're right. Lorelai's like, no, everything's fine. But they're like, okay, sure. She keeps walking, and then she runs into Kirk, who is Dance Dance Revolutioning. Is that a word? Mm-hmm. Super hard. He's, like, super sweaty. He's got, like, a towel around his neck. I will say, as much as Dance Dance Revolution is silly, it is fun. It's a fun game. I'd, I'd play it. Yeah, I'd play it. It's fine. Yeah. He tells her that Luke is at the movie theater. He also mentions that the movie theater recycles its popcorn, which is super, super gross. Yeah, and Caesar eats out of the pan, which he admits, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. don't eat in Star's Hollow. Kirk also suspects that something is wrong when Lorelai's like, where is he? And Kirk can put together that he's got nice clothes on. He hands her his sweat towel. Yeah, I don't really understand that. And then she takes it. It was weird. She like goes to touch him on the arm. And I think she's like looking at her own hand like, oh, you're sweaty. And then she takes that to mean like, give me your towel. Yeah. So gross. It is gross. She lies to him about her and Luke. And Kirk's like, well, I hope that's true. Because Taylor's got plans if this were to happen, which is already set up. When Lorelai finally does find Luke at the theater, she wants to talk, explain, and apologize. But Luke says he just needs some time to process everything and clear his head. Specifically, though, I should mention that she asks what he's watching. He says something stupid. It's clear he does not care really what he's watching. He just, like, needs time to think and cool off. But Lorelai's like, sure, sure, sure. But, like, I just have so much I want to say. So can we, like, talk about it now? And he, like, insists that he needs time to clear his head. So she reluctantly leaves after he says he'll call her when he's ready to talk. The movie Luke is watching felt symbolic. Like, it felt like a similar event where they were at, like, a fancy party. Mm. I don't know. It just reminded me of the wedding. It's called My Man Godfrey. But the premise of the movie is, like, a wealthy woman finds, like, a vagrant and makes him their butler. So it's sort of a similar premise as to what's happening here. Yeah, because Luke wants to be her butler, but he isn't sure. Right. The next day at the end, Lorelai is showing a client around. This client is a woman that wants to have a pancake breakfast for her daughters, some of her daughter's friends, and their dolls? Yeah. I guess this is a thing. Michelle is like, what, dolls? Is this woman psychotic? I'm with you, Michelle. This is weird. I mean, it's not that weird. If girls want to have a little doll party, whatever. I guess it's not that weird. It seems like a very rich people thing. Because, like, are you paying for these pancakes these dolls aren't going to eat? Exactly. And, I mean, I guess, like, American Girl dolls, they do stuff like that. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. This is not my world. Some people are big on their dolls. If someone's going to pay me, you could come to my inn and have your little doll party. That's fine. Lorelai hates that she can't just talk to Luke and get past this, like, fight they're having. She seems to think that if they talk, they'll just move past it and they'll be good to go. She's, like, worried about them wasting time. Suki tries to make her feel better by telling her a story she heard about on TV where this couple fell in love, but then they drifted apart and then married other people. But then their respective spouses died and they found each other again. So they had this happy ending. After 40 years. Yeah. And her point was like, even if things go poorly, eventually people who have true love, you know, have a chance of being together again. But Lorelai is like, no, I don't want just a beginning and an end. I want a middle. She hates that story. Yeah, she doesn't like that story. Then Suki, like, makes up a different story that's clearly fake. Yeah, and Lorelai calls her out on it. Lorelai's like, thanks for making up that story. She's like, no problem. <laughs> but Lorelai's not the only person waiting to talk to a boy. Uh, Rory still is at Yale. She is waiting for Logan to call. She even wakes Paris up when she gets home from the party. Like, did anyone call? It's pretty mean that she wakes up Paris. It is. But... Paris is such a terrible person that Lori's probably doing the mental math of like, you've done so many bad things to me that this doesn't even register on my side of the scale. So I'm going to go ahead and wake you up. 
Yeah, Rory, like, pretends she didn't know she was sleeping, but it's like, the lights were out. She's in bed, dude. But you're right. Paris would totally do this to Rory every day. It's pretty funny because, like, Paris gets mad. Then she's like, oh, I can't sleep. You owe me Boggle. It makes her play Boggle. Your family loves Boggle. Yeah, they do. Rory's not the only person waiting for a call either. Paris is waiting for a call from Doyle. So the next day, they are having breakfast. By the way, they're having four bowls each of cereal. They weren't that big or full, and their plan is to combine them. But it's a lot a lot of cereal on a tray. Well, also, just why don't you combine them in one bowl to start? That's a good question. It, it also, I just want to point out that after this episode and the last one, I just I feel like Friday night dinners are important for Rory because otherwise she would never eat a vegetable. I just like she <laughs> needs these Friday night dinners to live. I can hear dude singing Hotel California right now. Oh, from outside. While the two girls are discussing about like what to do when the guy doesn't call you, Paris calls over Janet, their old roommate, and Althea for love advice. They tell Paris to just call Doyle and ask to hang out and see if he takes it from there. For Rory, she confirms to us that she was going to have sex with Logan in that dressing room. It wasn't just a makeout because she's like, we were about to get together. And they're like, get together. She's like, yeah, yeah, get together. But then her dad, mom, and her possible future stepdad all walked in on them. So the girls are like, okay, you got to cut this poor boy some slack. He probably feels like you're a ton of drama right now. So they tell her to just call Logan and ask to hang out. And then if he's down to hang out, just meet up and act casual, but look hot. <laughs> I feel like they're totally right. She's got to call him. That's yeah. how he'd be scared. <laughs> yeah. And I, I feel like you owe him the explanation of what happened. <laughs> yeah. It's like, no, sorry. I, my two dads are crazy. Um, They're not <laughs> actually going to kill you. It won't happen again. Yeah. Totally. My grandma manipulated one of them into coming to the wedding to try to win my mom back. It's just a little thing. Don't worry about it. Meanwhile, Lorelai is walking through Stars Hollow and she notices that there's blue and pink ribbons everywhere. And the people with pink ribbons seem to like smile and give her thumbs up. Gypsy eventually runs into her and tells her that it's Taylor's doing. He heard about the quote unquote breakup because there is no official breakup right now, but he heard about it. And he, he has everyone wearing a ribbon so they know who's on whose side because this is a very important thing to know who's on whose side in a small town when there's a relationship breaking up. They did set this up, but this is insane. Yeah, it's totally insane. It's like psychopathic. Sociopathic? It's pathic. It's pathic for sure. Gypsy pretty funnily says that she picked Lorelai because Luke fixes his own truck, so Lorelai's car ignorance means a lot of money for her, so she had to pick Lorelai. She seems to be like, us girls got to sit together, but it's funny because she's like, I mean, because you're going to be a client of mine. Yeah. She just fixed Rory's car. That would have solved a lot of problems. That would have for this one. Lorelai sees Luke entering Dosie's and just follows him in. She kind of corners him in the store and just starts quickly blurting off apologies about not telling him about visiting Christopher and saying she didn't anticipate any of what Christopher said or did at the wedding and that it was all her mom's fault. She promises that she's never going to see Christopher again or her mother. But Luke is like, they're both going to be in your life forever. He's Rory's dad. She's your mother. Your parents don't like me. And you can't just cut them out of your life. She insists that she can, and she wants to prove that she can be the perfect girlfriend. And he's like, I just can't have this right now. We can't talk about this right now. He needs more time to think. And then he tries to leave, but she like follows him to the door and tells him that she's all in. She's all in. And she can't wait any longer. She can't miss her middle. This is a reference to Suki's story, a story that Luke has not heard. So that sentence was nonsense to him. Yeah, so he's like, bye, bitch, you're crazy. <laughs> I'm not crazy. We need our middle. What the fuck are you talking about? But she needs to know what he's thinking right now. She, like, pushes him. Like, what are you thinking right now? So Luke gets kind of fed up, and he's like, fine. You want to know what I'm thinking right now? 
I'm thinking that I can't be in this relationship. It's too much. And then he leaves. So this is like, as far as Lorelai is concerned, this signal that they've broken up now. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. But I, part of me is like, is this isn't like they broke up. I don't know. She like pushes him to be like, tell me what you're thinking right now. I feel like if he's like, I just want to break up with you, he would have just done that. I mean, he says, I can't be in this relationship and walks away from her. It does seem like for how close they were, they would need to have more of a conversation. But her and Jason didn't. Yeah. And her and Max was... didn't that we saw. <laughs> it's the longest breakup we've seen. It is. I just feel like she's pushing him. And I feel like Luke knows himself enough to know that he's upset right now. He's like very upset. But he also knows that because he's upset, he's not thinking straight. So he wants to calm down and then think about this. And then he, I think part of him knows you want to be with Lorelai above all else. So this thing that you're having, these emotions, this anger, you know that that's pushing you towards something that you don't actually truly want. You just need to wait until you're like calmed and this is passed and then like resume your relationship with Lorelai and examine what happened. But she's not letting him do that. I totally get her instincts to like want to fix it though. Like that's, it's so uncomfortable when you have something to say and they are shutting you out. Yeah, I'm not saying what an idiot Lorelai. I'm just saying that I think I don't know that that means they're really broken up. Right. I mean, if I were Lorelai, I would be like, okay, that was maybe very bad, what just happened. But I I will now actually give him like a week and then maybe check in to see if he meant that or like maybe he'll come over and apologize. Yeah. Let's say he didn't mean that instead of like assuming it's over forever. Yeah. Based on that interaction. I will say that I, I um, before we move on to the next part, I, I like this scene a lot. I feel like it's well acted. I feel like uh, Lauren Graham does a great job of like conveying that she loves this guy and like oh, yeah. feels bad. I really do feel like the acting in this scene is really good. The way she was great. The way she like sort of just like desperately follows him and the way she's like, I'm all in, I'm all in. Like it was good. Chef's kiss. Great job, guys. Yeah, she's like barely holding it together, you know? Yeah, yeah. It does seem wild that they would do this in public when their breakup is so on display already. I mean, I would agree with you if it wasn't so on display. I feel like at this point, who cares? You know, <laughs> like, yeah. they're giving out ribbons like they, everyone already thinks we're done. It's funny to think that because of what she did the night before and telling everyone she was looking for Luke, that's probably how the gossip got out. That oh, yeah. Babette or Kirk said something. Babette probably said something to Miss Patty and then it was over. It's interesting that we don't see any of like the main townspeople, which sides they've taken. Sure. They might not wanted to have done that because they like don't want us to think Kirk prefers one or the other. Oh, exactly. Even like Taylor hasn't he was like talking to someone later, kind of saying yeah. how he feels about both parties, but hasn't really taken a side himself. Yeah. It's like Gypsy is I would assume Team Lorelai, but she's not as big of a character as some of the other ones. And her explanation for why she's Team Lorelai was very like, I could go either way. I yeah. just have a reason to pick you, really. Yeah. So you don't have to be like, whoa, why don't you like Luke? Now, Rory has decided to follow the serial girl's advice and calls Logan and casually asks if he wants to hang out. While she's on the phone, though, we both notice this. She looks totally fabulous. She has gotten all done up. She's gotten hot with the assumption they're going to hang out, I think. Yeah, she's like fixing herself as if he can see her through the phone. Yeah, she looks great. It's But we were like, he might not want to hang out. Did you just get hot for this phone call? Do you think he's just like, I can hear that you're hot right now. Let's hang out. <laughs> yeah. And she didn't know he'd say, come over now. Yeah. When she calls, she's like, I'd like to hang out. And he's like, cool. When you want to do that? And she's like, how about tonight? He's a little surprised by her spontaneity. But he's like, yeah, go ahead. Come over to my place right now. And so she's like, cool. But when she gets there, 
It isn't a one-on-one situation like she expected. Logan is playing poker with several guy friends. And there are some other people there, though. And it's honestly, it's not clear what this situation is. Is this a party? Is it like just some friends that play poker and they're like girlfriend? Because there's one other woman there and she like serves one of them drinks. And the guy who she gives a drink to like very sensually, intimately at least, like touches her arm and then says like, I love this service here. Now, if that's his girlfriend and he's sort of just making a joke, that's fine. Yeah, it feels like that. But also there is staff there, I think. Exactly. What is this? The blackjack guy is like a paid man. (laughs) Who's playing black? I mean, I guess it could be someone, one of their friends that's like, I'm going to put on a fucking outfit. But I think it's pretty clear he's like paid to be there. Also, I'm so confused. Like, Logan just lives in like a dorm? Like he lives, it's probably a nice dorm, but he lives on campus? Yeah, he's very rich. He's at least a grade older than her. So, I mean, I don't know what most college rules are. My college, you were supposed to live on campus the first two years. But pretty sure he's at least a junior. So, why would he be living on campus if he can live anywhere? The situation is weird. There's... His friend's playing poker, and there's at least two people who are not playing poker. One woman and at least one guy. So it's really not clear what this situation is, but it's not the one-on-one situation that Rory was hoping for. It's Logan playing blackjack for thousands of dollars a hand. It's not, like, low stakes at all. So she shows up, and she's all like, huh, this is not what I expected. He does comment on her looking really nice. He acknowledges that. And then he's like, oh, do you want to? Do you want me to get you a drink? And she's like, oh, I don't know how long I'm going to stay. I think indicating to him, at least, that this is not what I expected. I'm not going to be hanging out. And he says, yeah, I don't know with how much I'm losing if I'm going to have another beer or not either. Cut to the end, where the girls and their dolls have arrived. But Lorelai and all the special girl doll pancake party accessories and accommodations that she organized are nowhere to be seen. Suki tells Michelle to entertain the kids while she calls Lorelai, and he's all like, like, I am Spongeboy Big Pants? That was super funny to me, <laughs> Spongeboy Big Pants. But even though he despises it, and this is like a running bit, I feel like, even though he hates kids, he is somehow always a hit with children. They always love Michelle. Yeah, we find out later he saves the day. Yeah, he saves the day. Uh, and one of the kids hands him a doll and says, she fell, kiss the boo-boo. And Michelle hilariously says, what part of the doll is the boo-boo? <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. Boo-boo, put a pin in that. that. Put, put a, a pin, pin in boo-boo. Put a pin in boo-boo, which is a weird thing to say. Uh, don't ever put a pin in a boo-boo, but put a pin in this boo-boo. <laughs> Suki calls Rory, who wakes up on a couch and sees that the boys are still playing poker the next morning. Also, this is Monday. Yeah. We know the previous day was Sunday. So Logan had a late night staff-invited blackjack game on a Sunday night? Yeah, I don't know. man. I don't know what's going on. I mean, I, I imagine him and his cronies don't ever really need to go to class, but... Also, this tea party is on a Monday morning? If I don't know what time of year. Is this like spring break-ish? I don't know. Uh, It could be, yeah. But Rory's like at school, so I don't think it is spring break. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. I don't know how young the girls are. They might have been young enough. Yeah, maybe they're pre-K. Yeah. Also, the other girl who was at the party is also asleep on the couch. Just She slept that. So that made me feel like she was one of the boys' girlfriends. Mm, Yeah. Suki tells Rory that her mom is in bad shape because something happened with Luke. And Rory needs to come home. So Rory is like kind of flustered and panic and she's in a hurry to leave. And then she realizes that her car is in the shop. So Logan offers his car to her. He's like, just just take my car. And she's like, no, I don't want your car. And he's like, no, take my car. It's got a driver. He will take you. It's all, I have an account with the company. It's all taken care of. Don't worry about it. And she's all like, 
Oh, thank you. And I hated that. Fucking hated it. Because it's just like, oh, you've got this really bad problem. You know what? How about I solve it with money? I'm just going to solve your problem with money real quick. Is that okay? My privilege and money could just solve your little family problem. It's, I hear it's you, nice. but like he did solve her problem. And I, what else was he supposed to do? Be like, yeah, take a bus. Bye. I agree that that's true, but it was like he has the means to fix it. And I don't think he was doing it to like show off. I think he was like, this girl needs help and I can't help her. Sure. You're right. I, I just that's got to be expensive, though. I don't know that it needs to be a limo. That seems crazy. That's the thing. If it was just Can like Frank not drive a Toyota. <laughs> I don't think there's drivers that are like, you want me to drive your Camry around with you in the back? No problem. A BMW, whatever. I, I don't know. It just came very shallow to me. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying now. If he has the means and he uses it to help her, that doesn't mean it's shallow or bad. It's he he has the means to help her. It's still good that he helped her. He didn't say it with his shit eating grin. That's true. He said it like he was concerned about her and wanted to do what he could. I agree. That's true. I, to me, though, it came across of like I have this driver that it must cost like hundreds a day, and I just don't really give a shit. You can you can take it. It means nothing to me. This this amount of money, which I guess it doesn't. So maybe that's just me on me for being poor and caring about that. So Rory takes the car home with Frank and finds Lorelai in bed, crazy sad, just like crying. She believes her and Luke have broken up. Spoiler alert, there isn't going to be a twist where Luke is like, but we're together. Uh, That's just, I explained earlier that I thought it was maybe not clear that they're broken up. But she's like, it's over between me and Luke. I messed up. She makes a point of saying that, like, I pushed him to talk and he broke up with me. Maybe taking blame for, you know, forcing him, which I kind of don't agree saying she's wrong for doing that because I get her point of view. But my point was, I don't know that he does want to break up with her. And maybe he only said that because she like made him say it in the moment. Yeah, I mean, I think she is right to question that. If she hadn't pushed him, he might have taken two days and then been like, you know, we can figure this out. Yeah. But she says a couple of things that are interesting. She's like, you know, he might have been the one. And I'm like, he is the one, Lorelai. Are you fucking kidding? You guys need to get married tomorrow. I'll watch the rest of the show. I don't care if it's just about you guys living happily. Okay, just fucking do it. But Rory goes into like awesome daughter mode here. And I loved this. I loved this. Rory is just like 100% like I am here to help you, mom. She's like lying next to her. She takes her mom's hand. She keeps reassuring her that Luke will come around. She's like, you know, Luke didn't wait all those years to throw this all away. Like he just needs time. And then she tells Lorelai to try to sleep. Uh, That's important because then it cuts to Lorelai in a dream. I think it's clear that it's a dream. I could see how someone might be confused, but I thought it was pretty clear it was a dream. It clearly becomes a dream pretty quickly. But yeah, as soon as she's like happily walking down the stairs. Yeah. She's walking down the stairs and she sees a movie projector is set up in her kitchen. She starts to walk in her kitchen and suddenly she's at a theater with Luke. Uh, Nice camera work and transition here, by the way. I thought that was well done. Yeah, it's different for the show, too. Yeah. She asks what he's watching and he says, again... Something stupid. But this time he's watching a black and white sort of like reenactment of the first date Luke had with Lorelai where he tells her he's all in. And in this version of events, in the movie they're watching, movie Lorelai just stares at him. No response. Dreaming Lorelai, the one watching the movie, says to her movie self, say something, say something. Then we cut back to her in their movie theater Sitting not next to Luke anymore, but sitting next to a blue ribbon where Luke was. And then she wakes up in her bed with Rory sitting behind her. Before we move on to the next scene, I I feel like this is important. So this is obviously a reenactment of the scene on their first date where he said he was all in. And I remember watching that scene the first time. And Lorelai doesn't respond immediately, immediately. I feel like she kind of smiles happily. Yeah, she seems very much like, 
I am also in, but that's very sweet that you said that. It's cool we're doing this, but doesn't say anything. Yeah. But it it isn't like we were questioning whether or not Lorelai was all in. No, because she does look happy. I did think it was a little weird in the moment. Not that she needs to say I'm all in, but I almost felt like, oh, you should say like I'm all in. But I also was like, well, maybe she isn't yet. So when she wakes up, Rory is like there and she's adamant that she's going to take care of Lorelai until she's better. Lorelai's like, go back to Yale. She's like, nope, nope. I'm going to go on a run to get you supplies, food, magazines, movies. It's kind of funny because she keeps asking her mom, like, do you want magazines? And her mom's like, no. She's like, okay, I'm going to get you some magazines. But she also keeps asking Lorelai if she wants bourbon. Mm-hmm. She asks a couple times, which is weird because Lorelai has never been drinking bourbon that I've seen. She's drinking tequila or she's drinking gin. Or, or vodka. Or, yeah, I don't remember bourbon. And that's sort of important. So let's put a pin in boo-boo. Put a pin in bourbon. And a pin in bourbon. <laughs> we got two pins in B-words. So Rory picks up Lane so that Lane can be in this episode. Hmm. Uh, and the two, she's only in it for a very short period of time. And then the two of them and their driver, Frank, go to get supplies. Lane's still not doing glasses. She's not. Uh, they also get a sandwich for Frank. It's this like weird scene where she gives the sandwich to Frank. But she also finds out that Dosie is just like talking a bunch about Luke and Lorelai's breakup and what it means and his thoughts on it at the grocery store. So Rory storms in and demands all the ribbons. He just hands it to her. And then she walks out telling him to learn to play piano or something. And he's like, she was so sweet when she was little. I loved this scene for a couple reasons. One, because I just love it anytime Dosie gets put in his place. Two, because I love that Dosie used to like Rory, but like now they're not close at all. I really like that. Also, I wanted to be like, Dosie, who the fuck are you, man? You don't run this town anymore, okay? Jackson should be giving out ribbons of anybody. Yeah, where's Jackson? He should be giving out the ribbons. That'd be funny if Jackson's, like, reluctantly giving out the ribbons. <laughs> He's Team Luke. <laughs> His wife's Team Lorelai. When she gets back to her limo, she notices that somebody is, like, honking at them a bunch. Because, frankly, pun intended, <laughs> that limo is blocking an entire lane of traffic. <laughs> It doesn't need to be. It's like blocking off a road. Yeah, I know. I was Rory gets all mad and like goes out the roof and she's like, we'll move when we move. But it's like, I mean, you should move though. You yeah, are... you should move, Frank. What yeah. are you doing? He's eating a sandwich. He's on break. Everyone's on break in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> so Rory goes out the top of the limo to yell at whoever's honking, only to realize that it's Luke who's honking, who then sheepishly apologizes. He's like, uh, sorry, very sheepishly. But also very sheepishly, Rory sees it's Luke and then says, I'm not usually in a limo. <laughs> very funny and she just sort of like slowly goes back inside yeah strangers waiting up and down the boulevard i'm just singing with the dude i feel like his dog looks at him like what is your deal dude can i live with that old woman please maybe i'll just play that journey song on repeat until he like goes away (laughs) he's cleaning up i think he just has the song playing over speakers yeah, I mean, he's he's got a right to do it. It's just like, why? It's annoying. I just, I truly want to know if he just like fancies himself a rock star and he enjoys this or if he like is actually preparing for something. So Rory goes home and sets Lorelai up with all the sad girl necessities and has Frank bring the TV upstairs. Lorelai sees Frank and then tells Rory to thank Logan for her. She could tell this is what's happening and assures Rory that she'll be okay and that she should go back to Yale. Rory's like, fine, I'm gonna call you a bunch of times. There's tons of food, by the way. Yeah, tons of food. None of it is good for you. But, I mean, she's sad. It's whatever. There's, like, 20 Pop-Tarts unwrapped. That's what the Gilmore Girls do. I, I, I just... The I, unwrapping... I could eat maybe four Pop-Tarts. I agree. They always am like, how could you eat this many Pop-Tarts? I could eat... If I smoked a bunch of weed, I could maybe eat six Pop-Tarts. <laughs> like, I like two is what comes in a package, and I feel yeah. bad if I eat two. I could probably eat three. 
I could probably force myself to eat four. But then I think I'd be like, this this is not good what I've just done. <laughs> You're out of guilt? I feel like I would just feel full of it after enough. Yeah, I do think three would make you quite full of Pop-Tart. Yeah. But also the unwrapping of them. It's like, just, just leave them and unwrap them when you need them. They're going to get stale. Yeah. She can't eat 20 today. Yeah. But Lorelai is not okay. Because later that night, she calls Luke. She gets his machine and then just starts essentially begging him to come over over the phone. She just keeps saying, like, please come over. Please come over. As soon as she hangs up, though, she regrets what she did. And she sneaks over to Luke's place. She finds the key that he just leaves in the open. It's just, like, above the door. And then goes upstairs and steals his answer machine tape. I would have assumed Luke was home. So it's wild that she just, like, broke into his apartment. Well, he didn't answer the phone, so. I guess that's true. But that he might just not feel like answering the phone. He was home. When she gets home, though, Luke is in a panic. He's there. He's broke into her house because he heard the message. And when he rushed over, she wasn't responding to his knock. So he broke in to be like, maybe she's in trouble. But she's not, obviously. She's like, hey, I'm so sorry. I had a moment of weakness. I shouldn't have called you. I'm not that girl. Importantly, I think, she says to him that she heard him when he said he was out. And that she'll respect that from now on. He says to that, okay, seems a little confused. And I feel like, and I mentioned this before, that maybe he didn't think they were broken up. Because when he's there, he seems much more concerned with her being okay. And she's like, so sorry, I'm so sorry. And he's like, it's okay. And he doesn't say it's okay, like exasperated, like, ugh, you dumb idiot, fine, whatever, it's okay. It seems like, no, it's okay. Like, it legitimately is okay. Yeah. And I wonder if he didn't think they were broken up. And when she's like, I heard you when you said you're, you're out... First off, he didn't say that. He said that he didn't think he could do this. And so his okay, too, was a little confused. It makes you think him being like, wait, you think we're, I'm out? I thought we are just having like a really big fight. That's how it came to me. Because then he sort of hesitates before he leaves. Yeah, he does look back. But I also think he knows that she would prefer to be together. So that if he did really want it to still be with her, he would have stopped her. Yeah, I think it's important, a couple of things here, though, to I feel like it is important and good that she says, I heard you when you said you're you're out. Well, it's frustrating because he didn't actually say that. But the sentiment is the same because so many times, at least twice so far this season, she hadn't really listened to Luke and he called her out on that. And I feel like this is her being like, listen, I, I've grown. I know you've called me out for this in the past and I'm letting you know that I, I am listening and I'm going to respect what you said and feel unlike with the boat, even though ultimately... He liked what she did. I feel like that was like a moment of growth for her and him and their relationship anyway. She says that she'll be fine and hands him back the tape. And is like, that's the last crazy thing I'll do. And I'm like, no way. That's the last crazy thing you'll do. And then he goes home. That's the end of the episode, by the way. It's very sad. But there is another scene before this at Yale where Rory returns Frank and his car. Logan can tell from her formal attitude that she's upset about some stuff. Like, for one, she doesn't like being called kiddo. He's like, I won't call you kiddo anymore. I love that she said she fed Frank. <laughs> like, yeah. it's a dog she's returning. Yeah, she's like, I fed Frank, so everything's all set. Uh, he pottied. <laughs> like, I think Frank knows how to find his own food. Like, I don't think Logan has to make sure he feeds Frank. You do. You, if, you, if Frank comes back unfed, it's not good. Logan mentions that she should come to more of his games because he won a bunch of money while she was there. So she's like his good luck charm. She's like, nah, I'm not so sure I want to do that. And she mentions that she thought it was going to be a just them thing. It was going to be more intimate. Logan counters saying that she wasn't clear when she called, just saying that they should hang out. And he did want to see her, but he couldn't just cancel his game he was playing. So it was either invite her over and see her or not see her at all. She thinks this over and realizes he's right. However... I completely disagree. 
And uh, re-watching this scene, it, it bothers me a lot, actually. I think this was actually super manipulative on Logan's part. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain why. I think the show, by the way, wants us to read this is a miscommunication, especially since Rory is used to dating like people like Dean who are like, I'm in love with you every moment of my life. Everything, every thought I have is about Rory. And Logan isn't like that with her right now. I'm not sure if they do want us to think it's a miscommunication. Okay. I don't know, because she seems unsettled. Like, yeah. he kind of talks her into being okay with it, but she doesn't seem so sure. Great. That's good to hear, because uh, it seemed to me in the moment that she was like, oh, yeah, I see your side. I guess I was wrong. This is a funny miscommunication, but that's not how I read it watching it again. And I hope that the show is actually going down the path that I'm going to go down in a second. So I just want to explain that he did not innocently invite her over because he so desperately wanted to see her. The only way to do that is if he hung out with her and had the blackjack game. And it was like the best of both worlds. Sorry that it couldn't be intimate. He could have told her he had people over. He should have told her, yeah, come over. I'm having a party. Exactly. So he says like, it was either you come over and you're at the blackjack or I don't see you. Those are the two options. That's not true. That's a false dichotomy. He has a third option, which is explain the situation and let her decide if she wants to come over. I I do get him... Not knowing for sure that she means it's for sex. Sure, yeah. But I do think he still should have like told her what to expect when she came over, knowing that it possibly could be for sex. Absolutely. Even if it wasn't possibly for sex. I want to break this down because this has bothered me so much. So number one, if he was having some friends over, okay, and they were just casually hanging out like him, like two or three other friends, even like six friends, just hanging out, like having drinks, talking or whatever, then it might have been okay and it might have just been a miscommunication because then it would have been like, oh, I thought you would hang out with my friends as equals. That's fine. And then you could have been like, oh, we wanted to be a date. I wasn't thinking. That sucks. But that's not what happened. He invited Rory over not to like a meeting of friends of equals. He was having an event with a hired blackjack dealer. The dynamic in this is very, very different than hanging out in any sense. This is something you would 100% mention before having someone come over. Number two, he also knows that Rory does not have his kind of money. And she definitely doesn't have enough money to play even a single hand of blackjack with him. Because they were playing thousands of dollars per hand. So he's not inviting her over even to play blackjack with him and his friends, which you could argue is hanging out because she he knows she doesn't have the means to play. So he's inviting her over to watch him play blackjack. That's insane. That's not hanging out in any sense. That's like if I was playing video games with my friend and I was like, yeah, come on over. You sit there and watch. You don't get a turn. That's that's not hanging out. Number three, he did not explain to her, even when she arrived, what was going on, how long they were going to play, or what to expect from the night. In fact, he sort of suggests that he might be done playing soon, which might indicate to her that the two of them might be able to do something alone together. So she sort of maybe hangs out longer than she would have because she expects he might be done soon. But no, they end up playing throughout the entire night. I think this was just plain manipulation to get her to crave his attention. I think that's what he's been doing. He like bombarded her with a ton of attention, a ton of attention, and then he took it all away, making her crave that attention she once had. I mean, that is like literally what they teach you in those like pickup artist guides where you're really nice to a girl, but then you nag her a little bit and you make her like try to chase you. And I think that's what he's doing. He's like, oh, I love you. Oh, you love this attention. You love all this. Now you got to work for it. You got to do stuff for me to get that attention. And he'll give her a little bit like, oh, you're pretty. 
but like he's still withholding from her. And I think that's 100% it. It's like carrot on a stick kind of stuff. It's the kind of thing that psychopaths and narcissists do. And I'm glad you're telling me that maybe the show was on my side on this and it wasn't just a funny miscommunication when you're dating somebody and it's casual because it came off to me as super manipulative on Logan's part and he knew exactly what he was doing. Anyway, I kind of ranted about it, but that's how I feel. I'll say that I know Logan has an arc, but I don't remember what happens between here and the end of it. Mm -hmm. So I I don't know exactly what the show tells us for sure is true. You didn't really talk about a part at the end of this scene. He says, so I don't see what the problem is, which is also a little bit dismissive because I -hmm. think he can tell she was clearly disappointed with how the evening went. Yeah. And I don't know that he owes her like an apology. But, like, something in between an apology and I don't get why you're annoyed would be good for him to say. See, I just, I don't, I don't even think that's true. I think he owes her an apology. Specifically because they they were about to have sex and they stopped because some stuff happened. The next time she calls, he's like, come on over. Now, I'm not saying he has to be like, she's coming over to have sex, okay? But he's probably like, she's coming over to, like, maybe go on a date or, like, have some us time or we're definitely going to talk about what happened. Yeah, yeah, because they need closure from that, I think. And now that they're in a relationship, though, they're not. They, like, specifically were like, this is spontaneous and crazy. Right. I think I think that he was intentionally withholding information. What he should have said is when she called, want to hang out, he's like, yes, I would love to hang out. If you want to hang out tonight, you can come over. I am having this game, and it's very expensive, but you're welcome to come and hang out and have beer and hang out with some of my other friends. But if you don't want to, that's totally fine. I want you to come over because I can tell through the phone that you're super hot right now. You're dressed <laughs> up. Please come over. Your hair looks great, but it's up to you. That's what he should have said. I think he should have said, I'm... Sorry, I wasn't more transparent with what yeah. the event was. I think, the, honestly, the, the nicest way I can look at this, the most charitable thing I can say about Logan is that his desire to see Rory was more important to him than whether or not she had a good time. Because, again, she's just watching him play. Right. Or he's just awful at reading emotions. But I suppose. Like, he maybe is just, like, selfish and doesn't know how to be a boyfriend not that that's what he wants to be right now he made that very clear but maybe he's not used to being like that i don't know right if this is a one-time thing i could dismiss this as well logan just wasn't thinking he's a naive rich kid who wasn't thinking about rory's feelings enough and he'll learn from this right we also have to keep in mind he's like 21 years old he's not 35 yes but we have also seen him do this before When he teased Rory with an invitation to go as his date to a party where a writer was going to attend that she really wanted to see. It was clear he was dangling that in front of her and then didn't give it to her. So I think this is a pattern. This is an intentional thing. It's not just a mistake some young, naive kid made. Yeah, I'm interested to see what happens next. At the end of the scene, Rory seems to be like, oh, I guess it was a miscommunication. And Logan says he's going into town, but when he comes back, She's like the first person he wants to see. So they make plans to see each other, just the two of them. They kiss. It's super sweet, I guess. Whatever. I don't know. I'm not a fan of Logan yet. I don't know when that's going to happen, but uh, it's not now. He said something like he had the idea that he wanted to make plans with her when he got back, but she called first. Yes. So he either that was a lie or he was thinking of trying to see her. Well, that's the thing. It could just be a lie. By the way, I mentioned this, but he's like, I won't call you a kiddo anymore. And she's like, there's just so many other things you could call me, which is a pretty sexy line. Yeah. I like that line. Yeah, that's a sexy line. Uh, And that's the end of the episode. Stacy, do you think it was a good one? Yeah, I do. I think the Luke and Lorelai stuff was really good. Yeah. The Rory and Logan stuff was like interesting, I guess, but 
it wasn't particularly fun to watch her right. be disappointed. But I mean, it, it was something. But yeah, the Luke and Lorelai stuff is great. Yeah. she. It was so well acted. I feel like I've been Lorelai, just like, that feels very real. Like, I need to fix this. I'm just like desperate to say the right thing and make this right. I know I can, but like feeling ignored for good reason, but like mm-hmm. not knowing how to fix it and just being so sad about that. Yeah. And Rory being there for her was really sweet. Just like specifically the way Lorelai portrayed the sadness and desperation was strong. Yeah, she did a great job. Great job. Did you like it? I did like it. I don't think it was a particularly funny episode by any stretch of the imagination. It had some funny lines, but... Um, I mean, it's a heavy one. It is a heavy one. And I liked the Say Something stuff that all like really resonated. And like you said, Lauren Graham did a great job. But the, the Logan stuff bothered me. When I say bothered me, it might pay off in such a way that it was supposed to bother me. Yeah, I truly don't remember exactly where this goes. So I'm interested to see where that goes. So just because something a character did bother me doesn't mean it's bad writing or anything. It just means like this character's doing this thing. Another character doesn't seem to acknowledge that, but that doesn't mean that the writers aren't telling me that they're doing it. So I'm interested. I'm also very interested to see where that goes. I did think it was a good episode. Yeah, I I think so too. Maybe not the strongest of the season, but a good episode. Yeah. Do you want to talk about another show? Uh, only if it's magical. Oh, it is. And now for a special segment we like to call Meanwhile Uncharmed. Charmed was another popular WB show airing around the same time that neither of us have seen. But we're discussing it anyway. Based only on its IMDb summaries. Brian, what happened on Charmed? Meanwhile on Charmed Season 5, Episode 14, Sand, Francisco, Dreaming, a demon attacks the Charmed Ones with dream dust. Causing their nightmares to come to life. Uh, Dude, okay. Dream Dust is what? just... The the last episode, someone came to their house and did voodoo. They're just like word on the street among the demon community that these chicks are easy to fuck with. I, I'm guessing that Luke watches Charmed, and that's why he's so worried about Lorelai's doors being unlocked. Because people are just showing up at the Charmed's house every day. It's just, that's the same episode as last week. Yeah. You swapped out voodoo dolls for dream dust. Yeah, and they, what's weird is that this is, they just use footage from the last episode because they're like, before they go to sleep, they're like, oh, you know what my greatest fear is, is the stuff we just did last week. And they're like, yeah. And then, so their nightmares were essentially what happened last week. Which we remember. Yeah. Um, Piper. I'm pretty sure you said that Phoebe went to P3 and started beating people up. Even though she doesn't work there. Right. So she had a nightmare about that because, I mean, that was a nightmare. Yeah. It did happen again. Yeah. And then the other two did the same thing as well. Yeah. And there was a doll. The Leo, one of them was like a little doll. and started. Yes. Piper was a doll. Piper was a doll. And it's funny because Leo has that dream, but it's not a nightmare. He's like super into it. It's like a funny thing at the end where he we play it from his point of view and he's like, no, he loved that. So Piper's nightmare is just her getting like bounced around the house in Leo's mouth, which normally is a Tuesday night for them. But right. in this situation, he maybe wanted to eat her. Yeah, but they already solved this last week, so they kind of solve it again. And then in their dreams, they like were like, oh, this dude we did last time. And so this demon is like, god damn, really? The demon, so dumb. He just takes his sand and leaves at the end. And he's like, this sucks. And they're like, yeah, we figured it out, so goodbye. What nightmare are you going to give us, man? We've been mermaids. We've really dealt with a lot of shit. Try again next week. And he's like, well, I won't, but definitely somebody will, because the word's out. And then they all don't lock the door and go back to sleep. Yeah. The end. It's a great episode. This has been Meanwhile, Meanwhile on Charmed. So, Stacy, do you want to tell us about Buffy? I do. Well, tell us all about Crush. Crush is about Spike 
finally confessing his feelings directly to Buffy. And like all his girlfriends show up, it's a whole thing. Mm-hmm. That's mostly it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's. I guess we pretty much talked about it then. Yeah, but I, I think I'll talk about it more in detail. Okay, if you want to, sure. So the bronze, you know the bronze. I've been there. I heard they had like a troll problem, so it was like kind of a mess. Yes, they are having their grand reopening. Their balconies have been reconstructed after the troll incident. There seems to be like many new balconies. The gang's all there having a great time, except Buffy. She's just sadly watching everyone dance when Spike plops himself down next to her and tries to have some small talk about the higher prices and the canceled blooming onion. Don't call it that. The flowering onion. Yeah, it's like they can't say it. <laughs> yeah, in the troll episode, I think he just called it like this onion thing. Yeah. But Buffy's like, what the fuck is happening? We're not friends. Why are you sitting here? He's like, well, you look sad. I thought you might want someone to talk to. She's like, no, that's not a thing with you and me. He's like, well, come on. I helped you fight that glory chick, and I've generally been a good boy lately. Look, I'm wearing my good boy clothes. Yeah, <laughs> he's dressed differently this, uh, this episode. They never actually address it, but my theory is he's trying to dress like Riley. Yeah, I think you're right. He's wearing like a shorter brown leather jacket. Mm-hmm. Kind of like nicer light pants with like a blue button up underneath. And later in the episode, when he's at home, he's wearing like a Riley military look. I think it's intentional. Yeah, I think so too. I didn't notice that until this this watch through, but I think you're right. This isn't working for Buffy though. Much like Riley when he wore that stuff. Yes, she'd prefer the duster. <laughs> yeah. Xander and Anya come over. Xander kind of bullies Spike away. We pause to talk about this. Spike hasn't actively done anything super recently to Buffy that was bad. Like, there was that whole thing where he, like, stole Riley's doctor to have the chip removed. He was, like, kind of mean to her in the episode with the Slayer flashbacks. Yeah. But he hasn't, like, actively been trying to hurt her or her friends for quite some time and has actually helped them quite a bit. Well, I mean, there's so many caveats to that, though. He also physically is incapable of doing those things. Yes, exactly. And he has done creepy things like sniffing her clothes or stealing photos of her. Which she is very unweirded out by. Yeah, I would be weirded out by those things. But for the most part, he has actively been trying to be better. Maybe she doesn't see that. Maybe that's just all from our perspective. I think it is. And it's also like Xander points out that he's a murderer. And I feel like the show goes out of its way to be like, you need to feel bad for Spike. But it's it's hard because it's like that's a trick show because you've had him kill multiple people. And like you've also had him try to kill Buffy and her friends over and over again. And we're supposed to forgive you because you give us puppy dog eyes because Buffy doesn't say she loves you. Yeah. So I did like that line from Xander to like sort of point out why we shouldn't love him. Yeah. But Spike then goes on to steal Xander's change off the table. (laughs) He's a bit of a bad boy. He's a bad boy. Also in this scene, we learn that Willow's been getting headaches still from the teleportation spell she did on Glory last week. Buffy's like, hey, I'm just trying to relax and mope at the bronze tonight. How about we just go one night without mentioning the name Glory? Tara misunderstands what Buffy means. She's like, cool, we'll just call her a different name. (laughs) No, I think she meant like, let's not talk about work, Tara. But she says, how about we call her by another name? Like Ben, says Buffy, seeing Ben across the room. Interesting. That's funny. Yeah. Because Ben and Glory are maybe the same person, TBD? There's something going on there. That's what they say. So Buffy goes over and starts flirting hard with Ben. She's all like, my sister told me you looked after her at the hospital. 
And Ben's like, yeah, totally remember all of that and totally didn't turn into glory. Flirt, flirt, flirt. Xander has gone to yell at Spike for stealing his money, but Spike is very preoccupied with how hard Buffy and Ben are flirting across the room. I figured Ben would be some kind of romantic interest at some point, but this is really the first time Buffy's shown an interest in him. I guess until recently she was in a relationship. She's not Rory. No. Meanwhile, a train is rolling into Sunnydale Station. Sunnydale's got a train. Did you know? I didn't. Yes, because um, uh, the Inca Mommy girl came on a train. Didn't oh, she? did she? Or she might have come on a bus. A bus, I think. I think you're right. They found her in like a parking lot. They have ports. They have buses. They've got tra- I guess they have everything. Sunnydale's the last stop. Is it just like at the very bottom of California? I think just generally people are dead by this point. So, <laughs> However, when no one gets off the train, the train man goes on to investigate and sees that everyone on the train is dead. And he soon killed himself by some unseen entity. It's Drusilla, because they pretty much tell us that by including her name in the credit scroll. Yeah, I know. Don't you hate that? It just gives it away immediately. Yeah, like it would have been... She doesn't show up till like quite a ways into the episode. It would have been fun to not know. Yeah. I think they've done that in Angel with Faith, where they like didn't put her name at the top. Right, when it was a nice reveal when she showed up. Do it. I mean, that was literally like the last scene of the episode. So maybe it was a bit more of a secret, but... They probably also like had her in the next time on Drew, I mean. yeah. Giles is babysitting Joyce and Dawn. Buffy comes home, and before Giles leaves, they have another very overhearable conversation about Dawn, like, 15 feet from her. Yep. (laughs) Haven't they learned to not do this? No. It's a little whisperier this time. Buffy asks Giles if they should keep going easy on Dawn. He's like, no, you should treat her like normal, so she feels like a normal human being. So Buffy just starts screaming at Dawn, accusing her of stealing her blue sweater. Dawn's like, what are you talking about? I didn't touch it. Cut to Spike sniffing Buffy's blue sweater. <laughs> I don't know if he's sniffing it, but he's fondly fondling it. When a horny harmony saunters in. Where has she been? It seemed like she moved in with Spike because she was convinced she was number one on Buffy's hit list. Right. We've seen Spike a ton since then. No harmony. Buffy's family briefly moved in with Spike for a while. She wasn't yep. there. Well, Harmony's doing her best to seduce Spike, but he's not in the mood. So she suggests they maybe play a game. The game is Harmony very badly pretending to be Buffy, and then they fuck. (laughs) My question is, did Harmony pitch this specific game? Like, does she know about Spike's crush on Buffy, or did she just pitch they play a game, and he pitched the specifics, and she was somehow not weirded out by him wanting her to pretend she's a real person they both know? Well, I would say the latter. Maybe there's a way Spike could have pitched it that made it seem kinky and not like he loves Buffy. Yeah, I mean, it's like a quote-unquote, like a hate fuck, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This next scene, we had to watch a couple times because you wanted me to pay attention to the dialogue. Willow and Tara are having a conversation about Quasimodo and Esmeralda. Yeah. It's clearly about Spike and Buffy. Yeah. I know that now. But I was so distracted by just the eyesore that was all of the fashion in the scene. It is crazy. You're right. When I rewatched it, I was like, whoa, it is bad. We got different things out of the first viewing. <laughs> Second viewing, we got the opposite. It's like the fashion department got to this episode and was like, uh, we were contractually obligated to use this like whole bucket of colored and pattern this season that we barely touched. <laughs> Do you think anyone would notice if we dumped like all of it into this scene and a little bit on one of Willow's sweaters later? Yeah. I mean, Willow's known for wearing some weird stuff. I mean, that's true. But this... Her boots. Oh, my God. Willow's outfit's weird. Tara's outfit's weird. 
The three of them together are wearing like a similar but bad color palette. It, okay, Willow's wearing some polka dotted bell bottoms that got shrunk in the wash. <laughs> the perfect length to show off her like chunky wide rubber boots that look like they're hard to walk in. They look like clown shoes. I'm not even kidding. Like that is how you would describe them. Clown shoes. She's got like a green purse across her and a maroon sweater. Under that, she's wearing a shirt with like some maroon spots on it, I think. It's a lot of maroon. Tara is wearing a pink shirt with maroon on it. There's just so much going on with her shirt. I can't tell what's on it. It looks like maybe some kind of winged creature with like various arrows and words and squiggles on it. And the sleeves are just leopard print. And Bobby's bringing up the rear, also wearing some very busy pattern shirt with a similar color scheme. It's just so much pattern, so much maroon. It was just like visually it hurt. Yeah. And then Tara's talking about how Quasimodo had no moral compass. The <laughs> same way Dawn pronounced monk in the last episode. <laughs> yeah. Do you not know the word compass? You were like, Stacey, do you hear what they're saying? I'm like, no, their clothes are too loud. <laughs> I got compass. Can we go back? <laughs> Bubby also hasn't been paying attention to the dialogue. She hasn't read the book, but she does read on a newspaper that she snatches out of someone's hand that six people were found murdered on a train by a vampire. The news doesn't say it was a vampire, but they put it together. I mean, it might as well. I mean, if, who, who's unaware of vampires at this point in Sunnydale? Everyone. Yeah, somehow. Don has gone to visit Spike, who's just come up from his basement. Do we know he had a basement? We do now. This is where he's dressed like military Riley. Spike's like, what are you doing here? I've got bad evil things to do that aren't for a child's eyes. She's like, well, I'm not a child or a human, so pull up a coffin, buddy. We're hanging out. Yep. She clearly has a crush on Spike, which she basically admits later. But she says she likes that he treats her like a person, I guess. Like, he doesn't talk to her like a kid or doesn't seem, like, super concerned about her now that we all know she's not actually a person. Like, he's just, like, real with her, and she likes that. Yeah. She also tells them that both she and Buffy think he's pretty tough. He's like, oh, what else does Buffy say about me? Buffy has gone home to find a very worried Joyce who informs her that Dawn didn't come home from school today, so Buffy goes to look for her. Dawn and Spike are hanging out into the night. It's dark now. He's telling her about all the people he's murdered. She's into it, though. Yeah, I thought it was weird, honestly. Like, he's just like, yeah, I killed these kids. Here's a fucking very graphic story of me killing these innocent people. What has she got to lose anymore? She's energy. Yeah. But they're interrupted by Buffy. She's there to look for Dawn. She sure finds her. Well, she's there to get. Yes, she's there to get Spike to help her look for Dawn. But she, uh, she finds Dawn there. Dawn demands Buffy let Spike finish the story. And he kind of just quickly modifies the ending to be very Disney. Kind of like Suki. Changed the story. Interesting. That's a connection I just thought of. It's loose. Buffy rips Dawn out of there. She's like, why would you want to hang out with Spike? He's a monster. He's icky. She's like, I don't think Spike's icky. Buffy's like, come, oh God, not this. You can't have a crush on a dead vampire. Dawn's all like, you can? Angel had a soul. Spike has a chip. Same diff. Couple things. Dawn also says to Spike, they're like, I feel safe around you. And he's all like, uh, 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 don't, no, dude, don't say that. Please don't say that. <laughs> it's like a point of pride that he's scary. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. But also Dawn says, you dated Angel for three years, which isn't actually true. She didn't start dating him until... Midway through season one, and then he went to hell for a couple months, and then I don't know that they started dating as soon as he got back. Yeah, I, I thought that seemed high. Dawn admits it's not like she has a chance with Spike anyway, because he's totally into you, Buffy. This is new to Buffy. Much like Rory, Buffy's surprised to hear the resident blonde bad boy likes her. 
Xander and Buffy go to investigate the train situation because Xander is barely in this episode. Yeah. Xander has a flashlight for no reason. It's daytime for one. There's windows on the train and he like quickly puts it away. It's actually even edited inconsistently. Like you see him flashing it around and then the next shot he doesn't have it. He puts it away at the end of a shot and then the next shot he just putting it in his pocket. Like the actor was like, why the fuck does my character have a flashlight right now? Mm Mm-hmm. There's body tape outlines on the seats of the train, but somehow the blood is gone. They, they cleaned the carpet very well, I guess. Buffy's real motivation here seems to be trying to figure out Xander's thoughts on Spike potentially being in love with her. He thinks the idea is very funny, and Buffy just frustratedly collapses into one of the body outlines. It was funny. It was funny. At least that. Xander's just upset he's not Dawn's only crush anymore. And as they both leave upset, we see the clue that they did not. A little blindfolded dolly up in the luggage rack. First of all, why is it blindfolded? Well, that sounds like something Drusilla would do. I feel like she's done that kind of shit before. She's a weirdo. Sure. But also dollies. This is a connection we didn't think of. Oh, yeah. Dolly. And there was a whole doll thing in Gilmore Girls. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. And they were disabled dolls, according to Suki. Yeah, and this one's blind. (laughs) (laughs) Weird. They weren't actually disabled dolls. Suki misunderstands something that Michelle said. So she was like, oh, they're disabled dolls? Uh, and so that's, uh, that is a connection. Oh my gosh. Back at the Summy Res, Buffy walks in on Joyce, telling just a thrilling work story to Dawn and Spike. The way the camera was moving down the hall, it like slowly revealed who she was talking to. I was like, please tell me it's Spike. And they just showed Dawn at first, but Spike's there too, sitting on the counter, just loving this story about a shipping mishap. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like it's so clear that Spike does not give a shit at all. I agree, but Dawn is into it, though. She's all laughing at this terrible story. Yeah, I mean, she starts to retell it, and Spike's like, oh, don't tell us again. But I I feel like you could tell Spike, like, I do not want to hear the story again. Like, it's, it's, he is, like, playing it to Joyce like he does, Mm -hmm. but, like, I feel like really he's like, no, please don't. Spike came over under the guise of apologizing to Joyce for kidnapping Dawn, but really he wants to tell Buffy about a lead on the train murderer. He's going to take her on a stakeout to where the vamps are hiding. So they go sit in his car to watch for the vampires. Buffy's like uncomfortable around him now, like questioning all of his intentions. Yeah. He reaches for the glove box for his flask of bourbon. Bourbon? Take that pin right out. Take the pin out. The other pin's still there, but take that pin out. It, it's just, it, it, is it a reference, Amy? Why you got Lorelai wanting bourbon? She doesn't drink bourbon. Which she she doesn't. She tells Rory no, but why is Rory pushing bourbon? So weird. Because Spike's pushing bourbon? Is that why, Amy? Buffy doesn't want any bourbon, much like Lorelai. They eventually see the vampires, follow them into the little hideout. The vampires see Buffy, recognize her as the Slayer, and just like run away. Spike's like, wow, that was pathetic. But Buffy decides it couldn't have been these guys because they've been in this apartment for a while. They've nested. Whoever did the crime on the train arrived in town last night. Now, she's correct, but what? Couldn't they have nested and then hopped on a train to murder some people? Yeah, but also, like, these vampires are probably murdering people, too. So, like, we should kill them as well. Yeah, there's a lot of vampires in this episode that don't get murdered. They should maybe change the title to just Buffy the Vampire chatter (laughs) that was clever honey (laughs) i mean she's chatting yeah but she's very mad at spike for wasting her time she storms out he opens the door for her she's like what what is going on you knew these weren't the suspects is this a date spike's like what 
date? You crazy. I mean, do you want it to be? <laughs> yeah, that line. So funny. I mean, do, do you want it to be? Buffy's disgusted. But he's like, come on, there's something between us. She's like, nope, this is wrong. You're a vampire. I know Angel was too, but he was good. And Spike says that he can be good too, that he's changed. And Buffy's like, no, that's not change. You have a chip. You're more like a serial killer in a prison. To which he says that women marry serial killers all the time. That is so funny. It's that is true. so funny. They do. I don't know what these women want. They want like a powerful man who can't kill them, I guess. I don't know. It might be something nice about you don't have to worry about them cheating because they're trapped in a box. I guess. But they've also might murder you if they ever get out. <laughs> yeah. I bet it's like they write you like the most romantic letters ever because they have nothing else to do. They probably just like are manipulative and like know how to get what they want. Right. Because they're psychopaths. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, it's definitely a thing. Like, there's beautiful women that are into these crazy dudes in jail. Well, if you've dated a serial killer, let us know your experience. Or if you are a serial killer, I don't know if podcasts go to prisons. If you are a serial killer, just uh, please just let us live. Uh, We'll keep making the podcast for you. Just let us live, please. Let us live. Spike insists that he can't stop thinking about her and that he's willing to turn his back on being evil. She tells him he doesn't know what feelings are. But he insists that he, like, really does. And he tries to tell her that he loves her, but she stops him. She's not having any of this. She leaves. He really does love her, though, right? Like, I don't know what's wrong with his vampire brain, but I believe him that he loves her and wants to change. I don't think he's lying. I agree. I It's tough, though, because I feel like he loves her in the way that, like, a psychopath or narcissist can love somebody. Where you can, but it's not. it's not exactly the same as, like, someone else's altruistic love. Sure. And it's complicated because it's like, is it tied up in your like obsession with wanting to kill slayers? Right. Or do you like actually love things about her and like want to spend time with her and, you know, like be there for her when she's I mean, he does want to be there for her when she's sad. He was when her mom was sick. Right. It's just it's interesting, though, because we were kind of getting it all ways here because Angel just recently on the show Angel said that as a vampire, he was incapable of love and has suggested the same about Darla. But there also is some connection between them, some emotional connection, even as vampires. And this is sort of important, I think, that in that show, like Darla cares about Angel, wants Angel to live, but was willing to like let him die to save herself as a vampire. Which I think is sort of like, okay, you care about him, but like not enough that you like die with him or risk your life. There's also maybe something in the fact that the chip I mean, it's not changing his brain chemistry, but it is like keeping him from doing something he instinctively wants to do. So maybe he has just like had time to think about different things. Sure. But they've also kind of set up that he is kind of a softie for love, like his human self was. Yeah. And And for And the judge was like, I can sense humanity in you, Mm. love and jealousy. And so there, I think in Spike, there is like a sliver of something that maybe most other vampires don't have. Well, maybe it's how like Angel, the human, was sort of a shitty human. Maybe it makes sense that he's shitty when he's a vampire. <laughs> Where Spike was a sweetie, so he's still a bit of a sweetie. Well, I mean, Willow's a sweetie and she's still pretty fucked up when she was a vampire. That's true, but we didn't get to know her as well. We saw her kill multiple people, though. Spike kills people. I guess my point is that the Spike storyline is problematic in a lot of ways because we're led to believe that he shouldn't have these feelings. But there is wiggle room in the plot that he might have some. But I don't think it is like pure, unadulterated love. I do think it's warped. Spike goes back to Spike's house, where Drew is waiting for him. How does she know where he lived? 
We don't know. Yeah, I mean, she probably just went to graveyards or asked. She's a famous vampire. Maybe there's uh, yellow pages, red pages. There you go. Drew catches Spike up on the last few episodes of Angel, which, if you don't want to know, skip ahead like 30 seconds. And if you don't mind knowing, what's going on in Angel is Darla got brought back from the dead in human form and an evil law firm hired Drew to turn Darla into a vampire and now they're working together and maybe helping the law firm try to turn Angel evil. That's what's up. It's a lot. It's a lot. And she's here because she wants Spike to come to L.A. with her and be part of the big old evil family again. He's like, eh, I don't really like L.A. and I'm doing great here. He lies. Drew knows all about his chip because she's psychic, I think. But she says she doesn't believe in science and that. That was funny. <laughs> all those bits and molecules no one's ever seen. They're not real. No, no. Spike's a killer. She knows it. Electricity lies. <laughs> I thought that was kind of interesting, though. Yeah. Because, like, the pain that's in his head, like, isn't actual pain. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, like it's pain. Like, as far as he's concerned, he's feeling it. But it's just whatever this chip is telling his nerves that there's pain. That's true. So when she's saying the electricity lies, I'm like, that's an interesting thing to say. Yeah. But Spike's like, no, it hurts. <laughs> it actually <laughs> yeah. really hurts. Drew starts trying to make things sexy when Harmony walks in. She assumes this is a fake Drew, that Spike's doing some more role play. And she says he knows her rules. No threesomes unless it's boy, boy, girl. Or Shirley's Theron. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, no, this is this is actually Drew. She's like, well, then you've got some nerve showing up after all this time. Breaking my sweet boo-boo's heart. Boo-boo. Pull that pin out of boo-boo, baby. We got a boo-boo crossover. <laughs> I mean, honestly, the Gilmore boo-boo moment feels more natural. I, I would argue that Buffy would have copied Gilmore if I had to pick who wrote it first. Yeah. But it's just, there's there's so many that it's like, what? Did you hear the word boo-boo while you were writing, Amy, and just throw that on the page? I feel like that's what happened. But also, there's just so many other coincidences, too. Like, the idea that Rory is, like, on a maybe date with Logan. It's not clear what it is, exactly. Mm -hmm. And Buffy and Spike are on a maybe date together. It's not clear what it is. These are similar ones, guys. It happens sometimes. It's, I mean, there's just a lot, though. It's not just like one or two little things. Also, there's breakups in both. Yep, yep. Luke and Lorelai probably break up. And Spike kind of right now is like, yeah, Harmony, you and I were never actually a thing. Just get out. <laughs> this is a <laughs> fake relationship. She's like, why? Because Drew's back? And Spike's like, no, because I am. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Back at home, Buffy's telling Joyce and Willow about Spike's feelings. Willow is wearing a sweater with every dog in the world on it. Just like these random dog patches haphazardly placed and a blue ribbon. Blue ribbon. She's team Luke, guys. She's team Luke. Who designed this shirt? The dogs are wild already. And then who yeah. was like, we should probably throw like one more extra thing that's not a dog on there. Just like one little bitty ribbon. Like she's doing like a like a disease walk or something after this. It's, it's a crazy shirt. Willow and Joyce are pretty worried about Spike's infatuation and that this obsession could get a little out of hand. And they tell Buffy that she needs to shut him down completely. So it's clear he knows that he doesn't have a shot. So Buffy's off to go deal with that and tells Willow there's one thing she can do for her while she's gone. More on that later. Spike and Drew go on a little date to the bronze and Spike is notably back in his Spike clothes, which leads me to think that it was intentional and not just yeah, like a new yeah. fashion choice that the show made. Because mm -hmm. he wears the same outfit every episode. Yeah. They're dancing and up in one of the new balconies, they see a couple making out. So they go up there 
Drew breaks both of their necks, gives one of the people to Spike to eat, takes a nibble of the other for herself. Spike is very hesitant. It's been a while since he drank directly from the bottle. But he does. Uh, Cute, I guess. Nice date. (laughs) I think it is important that Drew does kill the woman first because otherwise he wouldn't be able to do it. Yeah. I mean, I was like, this is a good plan, I guess. She can kill people for him to eat. It's a good relationship. I would say that I don't think it is, though, because when she was taking care of him in the wheelchair, she was like falling for an angel immediately. I don't think that I think she wants a guy who is like very dominating. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. What is her motivation? Why does she want him back? Is she just like big on a family kick right now? Yeah. That's not really clear. She says she wants to get the family back together, but whatever that means. I mean, I know what it means, but. It feels a little weak. I think they just wanted a crossover. Buffy arrives at Spike's house. He's not home. But she discovers his secret basement and his secret Buffy effigy and a whole shrine of Buffy drawings and photos. This is like my uh, high school locker. Of Buffy or some girl you knew? Of Buffy. Not of, I did not, (laughs) just some (laughs) random girls. Blue sweater and shit. (laughs) Did you have a bunch of pictures of Buffy? I had, I had um, a couple. I had two. Mm. Buffy heads back upstairs. Spike's home now. She's caught. Drew shocks her with a lightning rod. Did they steal that from the initiative? Uh, I think they stole that from Stranger Things. Mm. Drew thinks she's going to feed Buffy to Spike, but Spike has a different plan. He electrocutes Drew. When Buffy wakes up, she discovers that both she and Drew are locked up in his basement. Drew's not happy about this. She says she doesn't like that he's changed the game mid-play. She says, you've taken my chair and the music hasn't stopped. (laughs) That was cute, like musical chairs. I love all of Drew's dialogue always. I think it's super funny. Me too. At first it was like, what? Now I'm like, just talk more, Drew. Yeah, talk all the time. Spike, again, just like tells Buffy how much he loves her. He like grabs her by the face and is like trying to make it a thing. Drew's like laughing because she knew that Spike loved Buffy before he did. Buffy's like, stop, this isn't love. You can't love without a soul. And then Drew says, sure we can. She she like kind of explains that they can. So yeah, that kind of, I don't know, I mean, she's not like the most reliable source, but I feel like the show's trying to tell us that they can. Right. I mean, they kind of talk too, like how they've had this connection, kind of like Angel and Darla, like Drew and Spike do care about each other. Yeah. But Spike's like, yeah, I'm going to prove that I love you. I'm going to kill Drew. Bobby's like, well, that doesn't really prove anything other than you're a vampire and you kill things because you're evil. He's like, what? No, Drew and I were together for like a century. She made me who I am. She actually means a lot to me. Buffy's not into it. Spike's like, fine, Buffy, if you don't admit that you have feelings for me, I will untie Drew and let her kill you instead. Just tell me maybe. Maybe there's a chance someday. Very Lorelai energy. Can we talk about Drew's line there? It was super funny. She's like, I like that plan. She's like, I like that a lot more. I like that game. And then Buffy says, the only chance you had with me was when I was unconscious. That's that's a weird thing to say, Buffy. Why give him that idea? Yeah, I would just not have said that. He he still has a lightning rod. What what do you what? What? Well, he can't use it on her, unfortunately, but not unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Sarah Michelle Geller, locker boy. Listen, my locker has some weird shit going on in it, okay? You're right, he can't. But still, that's like a weird why Why present that idea? Yeah. Spike's annoyed. He gets very frustrated. He just, like, doesn't know what else he can do to please this woman. He blames Drew. He says if she hadn't dumped him, he never would have come back here and gotten the chip put in. He admits his feelings for Buffy are wrong and kind of don't make sense. And he's not happy about it, but he can't help it. He's like, maybe I should just kill both of you. 
Then Harmony shows up again, shoots Spike with the crossbow. She's ready to kill him. Yeah, it doesn't hit his heart, I guess. It's just like stuck in him the whole time. Yeah. So the two of them fight. Drew manages to untie herself and then goes after Buffy, whose hands are chained in the air. But Buffy fights her with her legs and head. Drew's about to do something to Buffy when Spike gets free from Harmony, throws Drew to the ground, unlocks Buffy. Drew is shook. She seems like betrayed. Like, what? I mm-hmm. did not see that going this way. She says Spike is lost. That she can't help him. And then she leaves. Buffy notably doesn't try to kill her. If only she knew what she was up to in L.A. Harmony tries to make an equally meaningful exit, but no one cares that she's leaving. (laughs) Buffy also lets her go. Cool, Buffy. Buffy then punches Spike right into the Buffy shrine and leaves as well. Spike follows her, but Buffy makes it very clear she doesn't ever want to see him again. He's like, no, no, no. What we have is messy, but we we do have something here. I know you can feel it. You can't just shut me out. But oh, she can't. Buffy walks inside the house. Spike thinks he's going to follow her in and keep talking. But the thing that Willow did for Buffy before she left was the uninvitation spell. So it's like a force field. Spike can't get in. He's like, what? Buffy, unfazed, shuts the door in his face. End of episode. Dun, dun, dun. He loves her so He's being a bit obsessive, maybe, though. Yeah. It's very Lorelai energy. Yeah. My question is, was Spike briefly enticed by Drew, or was he faking it all along to use it as an opportunity? I think he was enticed by Drew. Okay. Because he did bite that woman. I was like, oh, you you just said you were going to go good. But, I mean, I think he's having a hard time seeing a way to make it work with Buffy, so maybe he was like, fuck it. I would like to eat a human. That sounds delicious. Yeah, I mean, it's tough because on the one hand, it could have been, you know, his evil brain wants to eat a human and he might have been like, Buffy's not going to find out. Because I feel like Spike would do things that are evil as long as Buffy didn't find out. He wouldn't have a problem doing it. Yeah. Because it's like, I'm not going to in trouble. It's not going to affect my relationship with Buffy if she never knows. So I feel like he would do that if he could get away with it. So you could argue that this was like, he was just playing around with Drew. But I, I think he was actually enticed by Drew. But then one was the shift, because immediately after he eats the girl at the bronze, the next scene is him electrocuting Drew. I mean, that's a good question. I mean, maybe it was the whole time, like you suggested, but... I just don't know. I don't think the show made it clear. Right. I don't know. What do you guys think? Brian, did you think this was a good episode? Yeah, I thought it was a pretty good episode. There's some stuff I already complained about a little bit, but overall, I thought it was good. I mean, we finally, Buffy finally finds out about Spike, and there's some, there's some pretty funny lines of dialogue. Not a ton of the Scoobies in it. Yeah. The Scoobies don't have a lot to do this season. Not yet, no. They're giving them things here and there, but it's it's really not about them much. Yeah. I would say this is probably funnier than Gilmore Girls this week, so it's got one up on Gilmore in that way. But I'm, I'm just so torn by the Spike storyline. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. I am like anybody else while watching it. I'm like, I feel for you, Spike, because I'm supposed to. But anytime I really think about it, I'm like, you are still a really bad villain who's done really terrible things. Did you feel that when you were a child watching this? I don't know. I feel like I probably just fell into it and was like, oh, it's my buddy Spike, you're going to do it, bud. I don't know. I guess we have to ask the question, though. Which one do we think was better? It's tough. They're, I think, very close. Like, not perfect, but enjoyable things about both. I I think I'll go Buffy, though. I think I enjoyed Buffy more as a whole. Yeah, I think I'm going to go Buffy. I've already said that the acting by Lauren uh, Graham was great. So good. Gilmore. But I just feel like this Buffy was 
maybe just it was just a little funnier and like more more happened. I liked diving into this spike thing a bit more rather than just seeing yeah. him like creep. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with Buffy. But it is a really good Gilmore. Yeah. I mean, it was a good Gilmore. I don't know that I would say it was a really good Gilmore. Not that much happened in it. Rory like meets up with Logan, and they're like, "Are we dating? I guess we'll find out." And then the big thing that happens is Lorelai and Luke break up, but it's not a clear breakup. It's like a I guess I'm breaking up because you made me say it right now. Yeah, it's funny. I thought you'd be so sad about that episode. I just don't. I don't buy it. I don't think it's a real breakup. Your reaction was like, it's not permanent. This is just a roadblock. Yeah, that's how I feel. And maybe I'm wrong, but that's, that's how it came off to me. And like, because Luke's reaction was not emotional enough for me to think that it was really over. Oh, boy. Well, I'm interested. Gilmore Girls. I'm interested to see where it goes. Is she going to start dating Alex again? Gilmore Girls. <laughs> Well, anyway, guys, uh, if you want to watch along next week, we'll be watching Buff the Vampire Slayer Season 5, Episode 15, I Was Made to Love You. And that episode, I would say, is sort of important, introduces some important stuff. It definitely warrants another uh, viewing. Uh, and uh, what Gilmore Girls are we watching? Does someone have a warrant? What? what? what do you I don't do? like when you say extra words. We'll be watching Gilmore Girls Season 5, Episode 15, Jews and Chinese Food. That's like a Christmas thing, right? Um, Jews don't celebrate Christmas. No, they eat Chinese food at Christmas. That could be true. I assume that's what this is about. Maybe it's something else. You're not correct. Okay. What well, weird. It's not Christmas. Well, I figured it was somehow referencing that. I don't think so. Okay. I just want to say that the, the thing I said about Jews and, Chris, and Chinese food is, is not racist. That's like a real thing that Jewish people on Christmas eat Chinese food. It's not racist if you say it's not racist. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It is a thing. It definitely is a thing, man. I Googled it, and, like, one of the first results is, why do Jews eat Chinese food on Christmas, question mark? Like, they do. It's the second fine. thing is, you might be racist. <laughs> <laughs> NPR had a story that says, why do Jewish people eat Chinese food at Christmas? It's not racist. I'm just, as they do, not every one of them, and good for them. I'm glad. You mean National Protestant Radio? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do listen to National Protestant Radio. You know I love it. In the meantime, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the episodes discussed in this podcast. Do you think Logan was being manipulative? Do you think Spike knew all along he was going to use Drew to get to Buffy? Did you notice any Gilmore-Buffy connections that we missed? Where's Harmony been? Why does Logan live on campus? That's a good question. Do you think Luke thought they were broken up? Can Frank feed himself? Let us know. You can reach out by following us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok. At Gilmore Slayer, where we post interactive questions, comedy sketches based on each episode, and more. Or send us an email at brianandstacyreviews at gmail.com. That's Brian with a Y, Stacy with an E-Y. For more bonus content, find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash brianandstacy. For more non-podcast content, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, also called Brian and Stacy. If you want to support the podcast, you can do so by making a donation of your choosing via the link found at the bottom of our episode description or in our social media bios. And if you like what you're hearing, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and we'll give you a shout-out on an upcoming podcast. So if we had a threesome, obviously... Oh, yeah. You'd it, be Charlize Theron is fine. Y- sure. Sarah Michelle Gellar is fine. I'm, mm, Come on. Sh- do not take that from me. Sure. How long is this list going to be? One. This is already more than three people. Milo can be there. I'm talking about potentials. If it was Milo, you'd do boy, boy, girl? I don't want to, but I'd be willing to make that sacrifice for you. Would you rather do boy, boy, girl with Milo, Dean, or Logan? Milo, because Dean's body is going to make it weird. Yeah, we couldn't reach anything on Dean. Yeah, I mean, I could be at the top. You could be at the bottom. I guess that's fine. Let's do that. There's just more surface area, Dean. The so, bottom? Yeah, you could buy his feet. He's into some weird stuff. Okay.
You hearing this, Milo? <laughs> I know you listen, buddy, and you're big on threesomes, but not you. We're going with Dean. What? I thought we weren't going with Dean. I said we would go with Dean because he's got more surface area. Which is what's important. <laughs>